Hello, hello. Welcome to Hometown Daily Season 2, Episode 313 for November 9th, 2023. Tonight, we're going to discuss the SAG-AFTRA deal that was approved. This plant sucks carbon. Free nugs from Wendy's. Streaming bundles, according to Liberty Media. Amazon class action over returned products. Recycling sorter is a job for AI. U.S. power grid might buckle. Ah, Retailers charging more through app than stores. Netflix might get Disney content. And following up with Humane's AI pin, which will cost $700 and be available on the 16th of November. I want. Next on Omtown Daily. Hello, everybody. Once more, I am Merwat. That is Omtown.com. And up there is the visualizer for the sentient AI. Oh, great sentient AI watching over all of hometown. What's up? No. Um, what are you up to? How's it going? You're really quiet. Hold on. Um, sorry. This is inside baseball. Uh, why are you so quiet? I don't know. Let's try that again. Good evening, everyone. Happy Thursday. That's why. Never mind. Up there is the AI. The visualizer for the AI was working for me, but not for outbound. So sorry about that, everybody. Production values. Production values. All time high here in hometown. That's okay. Well, because I meandered and bumble farted my way through this whole thing, why don't we just get into today's articles? Set them up. Might as well knock them down. Let's go. So this next article or the first article for tonight is over in the continuity report. That's because it has to do with movies, TV, pretty much anything that needs a continuity report. This is the SAG after approves deal to end historic strike. That's right. Negotiators have approved a tentative agreement that will end the longest actor strike against the um, film and TV studios in Hollywood history. Did this actually come to pass? This is in the last 24 hours. So I'm kind of don't know exactly. Right. I think so. I think we saw additional headlines here. That it was fully embraced. It says that it's over, according to SAG-AFTRA, on the site formerly known as Twitter. Gotcha. Uh, In an announcement on Wednesday, the union said that the strike would officially end at 12.01 a.m. on Thursday. The union's negotiating uh, committee approved the deal on a unanimous vote. So I assume that it actually is. Gene Mattis over at Variety.com put this article together. 118 days. How long was the other one? 
Not 100. Uh, I thought it was like 80 some days. Wow. 82 maybe. So it says here the two sides spent the last several days putting the finishing touches on the deal, which will see the first ever protections for actors against artificial intelligence and and in historic pay increase. The deal will see most minimums increase by 7%, 2% above the increases received by the Writers Guild of America and the Directors Guild of America. These two... Sorry, if it was the 2007, it was 99 days. Oh, yeah, well. It's still bigger, so I guess they won. Right? Almost four months worth of doing nothing. I'm not sure that anybody won here, but yeah, really, you know, they didn't get paid. They didn't get to work. They had to do something other than what they, their subject matter expertise is. It sucks. Um, all because there are billionaires out there that want to stay even more billionaire. So the deal includes a streaming participation bonus, according to an email sent to SAG after members, as well as increases in pension and health contributions. The union said the contract is worth more than one billion in total. Quote, we have arrived at a contract that will enable SAG after members from every category to build sustainable careers, the union said in an email. Many thousands of performers now and into the future will benefit from this work. I think the biggest thing is that any controls that are on AI are now known, right? Like if, if there is some, if there is some issue with incoming technology, everybody is just very aware now that all it takes is adoption of some cutting edge technology and it can completely reshape the profit capabilities of a domain. The, the thing that bothered me the most about this is that the studios basically took advantage of the fact that the contracts didn't account for online streaming and nobody really wanted to do online streaming that much, right? Like people started embracing it a little bit and then it caught wind and just took off, particularly when the pandemic hit that just exacerbated everything. And instead of the contracts being renegotiated because so much pivoted over, the studios basically said, well, your contract didn't include it. So screw you. We're going to take advantage of it. But if the actors had something in their contracts that if the technology had allowed them to take advantage of it, you know, damn well that the studios would be all over those contracts saying that the nature of the terms are no longer exactly. legally sustainable. So it was, it was irritating me to see that this had to take place mainly because it, I think it was entirely greed based. Um, and it still is because when you look at what's going on, artificial intelligence, 3d modeling, the digital equivalent of automation, is going to negatively impact all of these actors in some way because somebody's gonna do an end run around how this plays out 
He said the union gained structural change in compensation on streaming platforms, though the union did not get everything it wanted. He said that it was back seeking more in the next negotiation in 2026. So here we go know, again. It's going to happen again. Um, but this time, you know, streaming is actually it has taken root. And we're going to have another article later on um, that's going to talk about this a little bit more. But what, what Don't we you think used in 2026, though, we'll have already crossed the biggest hurdle because there had to be a shift in how people were compensated. Right. And so they've already gotten over that. So then in concept, the next time might be more about what the dollars look like rather than trying to reimagine how they do it. Exactly. Unless we've had some other breakthrough in how we do our viewing. Yeah, well, I mean, really, what's going to happen? You know, we're streaming or we're not streaming. I don't think that we will could ever... be doing our Google Glass, Google Glass stuff or something, oh, but it's still streaming, right? Our humane AI pin will now just be a mini projector. Just wait, folks. There's <laughs> there's a lot in the in, in today's ten. It's it's quite a bit to unpack. AMPTP issued a statement Wednesday saying that the contract represents a new paradigm. They're pleased to have reached a tentative agreement and look forward to the industry resuming the work of telling great stories. As long as they're cheap labor and I can charge a whole lot on my side. And they can use their likeness without compensation or fair compensation. One and done, right? I can scan you. And I can take all of your works and, and jumble it all up in an AI, right? Again, I ha I loved AI. I really want AI to be utilized. It, it is great for stirring creative juices when you're stuck. And I'm stuck a lot. You know, I mean, there's creativity. And then sometimes just life is just hammering you down. And you use the AI to take a... a, a a little inkling of an idea and just explode it in multiple dimensions. And then you take that and you run with it. You know, some people sit there and go, oh, well, that's cheating. Really? Yeah, I guess, you know, using a, a, a circular saw versus a hand saw is also cheating. I see no difference. You can so use a power getting tool. more efficient. Yeah, you can use a power tool and AI is basically a power tool. You can't trust anything the damn thing says, no matter what. And this new one that's coming from uh, the website formerly known. Well, it's coming from the owner of the website formerly known as Twitter. Oh, God, how to turn 45 billion into 19 billion. A master class. Takes talent. <laughs> anyway, the new the new AI over there, XAI. It's tapping into the real-time feed of Twitter. And that's supposed to make it the most current, which basically means it's the most amplified bullshit AI that you can possibly put together. It might be building on layers of BS, depending on what... I mean, because social media is just a complete mishmash. Yeah. And, but... Pulling the wheat from the chaff, chaff um, is just, no, it's not going to happen. Anyway, um, 
the AMPTP, AMPTP delivered its last best and final offer on Friday, which included an increased uh, bonus for actors who appear on the most watched streaming shows. The offer did not include a key union priority, a share of revenue from each streaming platform, which mm, that's interesting. A share of I think that's kind of from... concerning. Isn't that one of the main yeah. reasons for the strike or no? Yeah. Why wouldn't it? That's weird. Okay. Well, I don't know. Maybe I don't know the context. I don't understand the context of this, but shouldn't they all be getting revenue from all of the streaming platforms that are streaming the content that's contracted for they production? should be because otherwise they're not getting residuals etc yeah they're full compensation for everything that they are like they are uh, contracted for you know huh. but one of the main issues i think was like if your show was knocking it out of the park there was no benefit and that has been remedied according to this right so i guess that'll give the impetus to write better Right. Yeah, maybe rather than just to write. I don't know. Most TV and film production has been shut down since the writer's strike uh, went on, uh, started six months ago, it says. The Actors Union joined them all in the picket line in mid-July, shutting down all but a relatively small number of independent film productions. And then 119 days later, 18 days later, they have now returned. So... Um, I said today I was having a conversation with a bunch of people and I said today, well, thank God it ended before a resurgence of reality TV, like took what reality TV was and then just like pumped it up and like ju just juiced it, you know, um, thankfully that didn't take place. All right. Exactly. Cause the world does not need more reality TV. Oh, sure we do. Come on. Let's keep going. Next article. <laughs> Is over in hometown daily the first u.s commercial plant has started to pull carbon from the air it's able to suck 1,000 tons annually and plans to expand and my god i am holding back jokes uh so this u.s commercial plant really sucks the first U.S. industrial carbon capture plant just opened. According to the New York Times, it grabs carbon from the air and traps it in concrete or sends it into the ground. Z, You saw an article last night that you're 99% sure will be on your show. Hello. Really? 99%. What would that article be? Did you find it on hometown or did you find it somewhere else? Let us know. So California is now home to a new weapon in the war against climate change. Why does everything have to be a weapon and a war and a battle? And, and yeah. Oh, they're fighting the good fight, fight. and all of oh, that. All right. So on Thursday, Heirloom Carbon Technologies opened its facility in Tracy, California. The company said it's the first commercial plant in the U.S. to pull carbon from the air. Z says they found an article somewhere else and should have submitted it. True. Because right. now the window of opportunity is over because we are the most current news uh, show that streams at 8 p.m. on any day 
uh, through... Well, maybe we won't disappoint. Maybe it'll be in another article. Okay, so I'm sorry, Z. That's a that's gonna make me chuckle if I say this out loud. It's about an astronaut tool bag being in orbit. Well, oh, if they're, I haven't seen that one. <laughs> depending on who's doing the spacewalk, I guess their tool bag is out in space. Yeah, I know that they've lost. We would have a definitely put that in here if we'd seen that. Yeah. Well, we'll have to do a search and find that source um, and. Um, Pay attention to them because we love quirky news so um this is pretty cool though what's weird though is that they're they're pulling it out of the air and they're putting it into um what amounts to an off-gassing issue in and of itself concrete is a problem so there's a lot of research that's been done tell me this isn't a very hometown appropriate article. Um, you should be able to post it in chat. Hmm. I will, I will talk to the bot if, um, if you're not able to. So here, let me throw this article into. Oh, okay. I found, um, some sources of it. Okay. So um, this article is over at businessinsider.com. The first U.S. commercial plant has started to pull carbon from the air. It's able to suck out 1,000 tons annually and plans to expand. Maya Focht is the author. Carbon dioxide. There's a picture here from Reuters um, and someone named Ali Song. Carbon dioxide released into the atmosphere is contributing to our planet's warming. I don't know if this is actually carbon dioxide that's being released but hey so the technology could be used to stall climate change but the facility is still relatively small correct um we need more of this because uh, we are releasing so much carbon into the atmosphere it's a global warming gas we are just um we are heating up everything from the atmosphere all the way down to the oceans themselves uh, to the point where we have 100 plus degree water um, in various regions is a thousand tons a lot not really um, but any bit helps and so this will facilitate um, that kind of reversing the trend so they actually put it into context here in the article, but if you're in the podcast, obviously you won't see this. As it stands now, the plant is capable of sucking a thousand tons of carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere per year, which is roughly equal to the exhaust released from 200 cars. So considering we have millions upon millions of cars just in the United States, 200 cars isn't that much, but it's a great testament to our uh, desire to reverse uh, the, the trend. Now, how this is getting paid for and what the actual benefit is, we're going to have problems because if it isn't producing something that is consumable somewhere on the other side where they can generate revenue, this thing is a basically somebody is funding it, probably taxpayers um, or 
maybe it's somebody's ambitious dream and they're a billionaire and they're funding. Oh, who am I kidding? What am I talking about? Um, so the company does it by using limestone, like a sponge. The facility processes limestone, removing the carbon dioxide from it, which turns it into a fine white powder called calcium oxide. Um, water is then added to the calcium oxide and the resulting mixture is spread out on metal trays exposed to the open air, which it absorbs carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and turns back into limestone. So I'm really curious if it's pulling the carbon dioxide out of the limestone, where is it putting that carbon dioxide probably into the ground? How much can it actually absorb? Uh, the captured carbon dioxide gets packed into concrete or injected into the ground. Well, I guess if we're going to have fracking, we're going to have gassing. And so we're pumping carbon dioxide into the, we're going to be inflating the earth. <laughs> There's only so much air, you know, molecules that are going to be absorbed by various materials in the earth. It's going to get absorbed into other things. Who knows where this is going to off gas. This is weird. I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. This whole process is powered by renewable energy and the company has uh, publicly pledged not to accept investments from oil and gas companies. The New York times reported. Okay. Who's paying for this? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know it's definitely good to remove carbon from the atmosphere what i can't quite figure out is the concrete piece yeah uh, because that is a known contributor to off exactly greenhouse gases it, it it off gases carbon dioxide um so it's one of the reasons why i've still stumbled about releasing a product even though the product in in question here would be a drop in the bucket. Um, my desire to match the production one-to-one -one with planting a tree is really nothing more than uh, an attempt to offset the carbon footprint. Now the, the trees that would be planted would do more than offset each item that's sold. Um, but I still have a, a moral dilemma with producing something that has greenhouse gases um, associated with it but i'm not you know my product isn't the problem but i'm contributing so i don't like that idea so carbon capture is not a cure for climate change using carbon capture alone won't be a cure-all for all of our climate woes according to the article to avoid a hotter future we need to rapidly reduce our dependence on fossil fuels according to the wwf um Further, some experts are wary of carbon capture, like climate scientist Peter Kelmus. Kelmus told Insider in 2021 that pollutive companies might promote investments in carbon capture to distract the public from the fossil fuels that they're actively releasing into the air. This mirrors a popular sentiment about carbon offsets. This has been an ongoing issue called greenwashing. Um, so basically, trying to buy back their soul, but it's marketing hype. You know, the only real way to stop it is to not do it. Um, but you're not going to become a billionaire, uh, according to a lot of people, if you, you know, adhere to all of the moral and ethical dilemmas that are created by commercial enterprise. 
Yeah. You have to poison the air, collect your money. And then after you've enjoyed your entire life and made the entire planet suffer a little bit, then you can start giving back. Yeah. Buy back your soul. Okay. Let's just keep on going because I'm going to end up soapboxing way too much today. Yeah, excuse me. Um, you're silenced. Yeah. Well, you know, I thought that was. <laughs> Maybe that was better. Maybe that was for a benefit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, we're on to the next article anyway. So the next article is over on the Stock Market Heroes channel. You can buy a. Or you can bag free chicken nuggets from Wendy's, but there's a catch. Inflation is fueling freebies at... That's not true, by the way. Oh my gosh. I don't understand this article. Straight out of the gate. Just the other day, they were talking about no more freebies. But apparently, it says here in this article, inflation is fueling freebies at fast food joints like Wendy's, McDonald's, Domino's, and Krispy Kreme, but these brands are still making money off you in other ways. So I'm wondering what they're going to be doing here. Um, Charles Passy is the author um, over at marketwatch.com, by the way. So the biggest buzzword in restaurant marketing these days is to be free with Krispy Kreme, Wendy's and Domino's all dishing freebies. Here's why. Who goes to Domino's anymore? Mm. I don't think I've Lots had Domino's. Do they? Mm. I don't think I've had Domino's in close to what eight years something like that i know it's anecdotal but still and if you put these three together which way would you go first where would you where uh <laughs> sorry there was something that i was going to say but i won't say it which one would you go to first so what so is this crispy cream wendy's and Domino's? yeah <laughs> do you have to get the items in the picture yeah no yeah Yes. How about that? <laughs> uh, Z says Krispy Kreme 100% of the time. Yep. <laughs> Domino's, Krispy Kreme, Wendy's. You go to Domino's first? Pizza. I'm. Di oh, well, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. are these the only three fast pizza food <laughs> places in this scenario? Yes, they are the only ones that survived the fast food. Oh, wars. yeah, like uh, Domino's survived. They're the only pizza joint. <laughs> Correct. Yep. And Wendy's only is allowed to serve as as a capitulation in the fast food wars. They're only allowed to produce chicken nuggets and Krispy Kreme can only produce chocolate covered donuts and a chocolate sprinkles or sprinkled um, chocolate covered donuts. So this is the future folks. Demolition Man was a documentary. So fast food companies uh, seem to be dishing out freebies left and right these days, but we just saw articles the other day that said that they weren't doing this, that all of the prices were raised up. There are no sales, there are no discounted so I'm, I'm really stymied now. Uh, maybe it's only these three. Well, free emergency pizza offer to use whenever you need it most, although it requires a qualifying online order. Burger chains aren't alone. Uh, Krispy Kreme 
is giving away a dozen of its original glazed donuts to the first 500 customers at each of its stores on November 13th. Doesn't this, doesn't this seem very much like, um, uh, what is the, what is the movie? I volunteer as tribute. What is that called? <sighs> Where they all hunt each other down. Um, Oh, you know what? When the AI is throwing the air. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do know. Hunger Games. Thank you. Which is even more apropos because I all of these things. I haven't seen Hunger Games. <laughs> oh, that's right. You're a sentient AI that didn't get to hang out at a movie theater. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel better that I didn't know it, though. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. So Wendy's is going to have a free six piece order of chicken nuggets every Wednesday from now on through the end of the year, along with the purchase of any other item. Of course, free fries Friday is also back at McDonald's where you can get a free medium fry. What the heck? Um, a free medium French fry order with any $1 purchase on the restaurants app. That's been around for a long time. Hmm. You can get a free six-piece order of chicken nuggets every Wednesday from now through the end of the year just by going to Wendy's? If you buy something else, yes. Yeah, with any other purchase. So you can get two of them and it's 50%. Yeah. Thank you, Z, for telling me it was Hunger Games. The sentient AI is supposed to know all, but apparently not Hunger Games gonna have to work on that let's keep going oh wait i need to throw that into the chat right so yeah i'm i'm an article behind this is horrible there you go everybody um let's go on to the next article this next article is over in hatch ideas here's what streaming bundles could look like according to liberty media's john malone liberty media chairman and cable cowboy John Malone weighed in on the state of streaming in an interview with CNBC's David Faber. Drew Richardson over at CNBC.com put this article together. Malone also said that a big tech competition for sports programming has put more pressure on legacy media. You know the whole thing about cord cutting and all of that? I, just, I still don't get it because when you actually think critically about it you're you're cutting the cord the coax cable but you're still connected via ethernet or an access point is connected via ethernet you're still tied to the hip to all of this it's worse because you're tied to more companies yeah and again we used to joke about this 25 years ago we would we were mocking the idea where you had to pay like five dollars more to access this $15 more to access that we joked about where if you wanted to access a cluster of social media, you would have to pay somebody and we're right back at it, except that there's even more control over it. Uh, He said uh, he laid out ideas for potential streaming bundles, such as pairing Disney plus with Warner brothers, discovery max, um, which actually that's AT&T 
I think AT&T does something similar to that. So let's see what all, if they mention something like this. Um, so in the early days of streaming, Netflix and Hulu promised an on-demand viewing experience with ever-growing library of movies. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was funny. Um, and uh, TV shows presenting an alternative to traditional cable bundle. Today, consumers are cutting the cable cord, but also juggling streaming services, creating a fragmented and confusing experience and perhaps generating a need for a streaming bundle, which brings us full circle. Basically, how's it pronounced? Auroboros? It's just the snake eating itself? Auroboros, I think. Auroboros? I know, you're right. Auroboros, yeah. Um, So it's basically a snake eating itself. I don't like this, but... Well, and when they get bundled, right? If we have a $5 and a $5, we're not going to end up with a $9, like a savings. We're not going to end up with a $10 that's just equivalent. Yeah, they'll be (laughs) exactly. (laughs) What is the benefit there to the consumer? Yeah. So um, Malone, known in the industry as the Cable Cowboy, is on the board of Warner Brothers Discovery, the parent company of Max. He uh, has previously talked about the future of streaming bundles, but the idea has taken on more urgency of late as media companies try to reach profitability with their direct-to-consumer offerings. Sports streaming, as Malone noted, is a major piece of the puzzle. Streaming platforms such as YouTube TV, NBC Universal's Peacock, and Amazon Prime have made the jump and paid the price to stream big-name sports such as NFL football. So where do they talk about any of this? because we know that it's really expensive i don't really care about the specifics of it but the composition of a bundle which one why aren't i getting a better deal but that's not what goes on all of these mergers and acquisitions are constraining what everybody has access to how long they have access to it for crying out loud. There's YouTube channels that are dedicated to talking about what is about to be lost at Netflix and what's coming into Netflix. I think it's rather absurd, but it's because the people who own the rights to the material to be streamed have arbitrage pricing where everybody says, Okay, we're auctioning this off and you can have it for these four months or this year or whatever, but you have to pay this rate or that person over there is going to pay that rate. And then we find out that, oh, okay, uh, just three months ago, I had to pay $2 more for my streaming service, but because of the backroom dealings, now I have to pay another $3 more because they're raising the rates every quarter because everything is in flux and you just never know what you're ultimately going to be paying. Then there are the companies like Disney that go, well, you paid $39.99 a year at the beginning of the year, but now we're trending towards another year and just want to warn you that we're going to be raising the price to $119.99 and you kind of just choke on that you know website (laughs) like what wait did i just hear that then don't we have a repeat of what we had with the cable company monopolies yeah that's exactly it this month probably with less stuff right because you might not have all the channels or whatever yeah and it changes you never know like 
what is going to be offered is going to be very dynamic at least here in the states I, i it i just don't know how it is in other countries um but i feel i feel like it has to be worse here than like in the eu because the entire eu is bargaining for <laughs> the rights for everybody that's in that union um i imagine so it says here this month disney announced its plans to buy comcast remaining one-third stake in hulu and next month disney will launch a combined app that will bundle disney plus and hulu content i don't like hulu they've already had it bundled together disney plus and hulu um Disney already offers a three-way bundle of uh, Hulu, Disney Plus, and ESPN Plus, which Disney owns. And now all of it is going to be owned by Disney. So you can imagine that the price for this is now going to go up because they're paying somebody else, which means they have to recoup it within a certain internal rate of return. So you're going to see the price jump by another five bucks. Oh, and ads. Ads ads are going to get injected and the terms are going to change where it says um and this is all prediction you know based on history um you're going to start seeing everything is at you pay for the ad free rate right the ad free service but certain it's going to have a line in it that says uh some shows will still have ads um and then there's pre-roll, which they're not going to count as ads. It's going to be a pre-roll where it transitions into something. Paramount does that kind of stuff. So Malone also touched on the potential of more cable streaming bundles, reflecting the resolution of Disney's spat with Spectrum parent charter communications. The company's ag- agreement uh, included ad-supported Disney Plus and ESPN Plus plans in some Spectrum offerings. Yeah, I wonder who's going to be injecting the ads. Because you're going to be watching a, a Disney Plus show in mid-sentence, the ad's going to cut it off. That, that's what DirecTV was doing. It's all, it, it's never to the benefit of the consumer and everybody has to just take what is offered. Nothing in telecom seems to be, right? I mean, it's like the whole telephone monopolies and... Even now with cell phones, there's very few large companies. Yeah. Because they've all joined together. Yeah, it's all concentrated. So the the control is all concentrated. So you have to speak with your wallet. That has always been the adage that, you know, most people know. Speak with your wallet. If you don't like it, then don't pay it. But you are a voice screaming into a void. Um, You know, the darkest hole you can possibly scream into and there's never an echo back and there isn't anybody else it's just you screaming into the void of frustration so we'll see i think that the rates will go up as soon as all of this is uh, you know it all shakes out at the end you know disney owns hulu entirely and it's a done deal you'll see within a quarter that the rate is going to shoot up There is one potential benefit, and that is the interface for streaming services that are not preferable (laughs) individually. Maybe those will improve. (laughs) Maybe there's that they'll fix that. Looking at you, Hulu. Yeah, exactly. 
So the next article is over at Technology Today. Um, this one here, let's see here. Let me let me throw this into the chat. There you go, folks. Um, Amazon was hit with another class action lawsuit over refunds on return products. This is something that um, I've I've seen a change in how Amazon processes their returns, and I wonder if this matches what my experience is now. So let's see. Amazon failed to issue refunds for return products and breached its own policies, according to a new class action lawsuit filed in federal court in Seattle this week. The suit alleges that Amazon has engaged in a repeated and systemic uh, scheme related to products purchased on its online marketplace and returned by customers who say they never received a refund for products that were timely and properly returned to the company. Um, this isn't exactly what I have experienced, but I'll tell you what I've experienced um, as of late. So Taylor Soper over at geekwire.com put the article together. The deck statement says in-depth Amazon coverage from tech's, uh, tech giants hometown, including e-commerce, AWS, Amazon Prime, Alexa, logistics, devices, and more. So they focus on um, Amazon stuff. So um customers have been deceived quote deceived by amazon's unfair trade practices according to the lawsuit and of course they're going to decline to make any comment it's a legal matter so nothing ever happens like that um so a similar class action was filed against amazon earlier this month in federal court in seattle amazon this week filed a partial motion to dismiss the case uh, which focuses on alleged charges for returned products. Now, in my entire history with Amazon, I've never been charged for a return, um, as far as I can tell. I, and but no, but there's an option to do a return that incurs a charge, but I'm assuming that's not what that's in reference to. Yeah, that might actually in some cases it might be because the provider of the product isn't um like a prime seller or something like that or yeah they don't have the same uh, physics involved you know um and that's happened maybe once or twice in my entire uh, existence with amazon but what i've noticed recently is it goes to credit it doesn't actually go back on a card. It doesn't actually get fully refunded. It goes into like a, a, a store credit kind of a situation. Um, and uh, I couldn't in this latest thing that happened, um, I couldn't see what the balance was because there isn't anything for that. Um, it basically became an Amazon credit, um, but there was no enumeration of what the current value was. And it actually caught me off guard. I didn't even know that it was sitting there because I went to purchase something and it drew from this ghost fund. <laughs> um, suffice it to say, I drained that completely dry. Um, and now I just monitor. So I thought it was interesting. This is kind of a completely different animal. Um, according to this uh, suit, a person named Holly Jones Clark ordered a nutrition book for $23.59 in February, but never received the book after the seller canceled the order and still hasn't received a refund from Amazon, according to the suit. I'm really curious if it's sitting in a little ghost account that you can't see. 
Well, that's Heavy true. Scale. Hey. And that is odd because most refunds would be because the buyer is canceling the order, I would assume. Sorry, I didn't mean to speak over you. No, you're fine. Um, so uh, I had a product get canceled in transit um, by someone other than Amazon and not by me. Um, and this actually is one of the things that led to this weird kind of me discovering this little ghost product or ghost account. So I, I wonder if this is all one and the same, but I got my money, you know, I, I, I've been made whole. That's not a big deal, but they're saying that they never saw it. Um, and I had another issue recently. It seems weird that it's just recent, you know, uh, but I've had two issues with um, various sums of money. One where the seller promised a refund and it never happened. And it took, I think it, it took eight weeks for it to all and, and countless, probably five hours worth of work to get it all settled. Um, and Amazon actually created that ghost fund there too. So kind of interesting. It says here, Amazon, recently Amazon began charging for some returns. It also rolled out a new feature that flags frequently returned products. Um, and uh, I'm sure that this they is all- They are tracking that. Like they say that if you're somebody who returns stuff all the time, that you're not gonna be able to continue to do that. But At least not as friction as you might, friction free as um, you, may have once experienced, but you know, you, I think as a business owner, you have to accept that you have to sit there and go, look, I, you're buying stuff and returning stuff so much that I don't know if I want to invite you back into my store because for every item you buy open, and ex noodle around with, I can't resell it as new, unopened, untouched, right. you know? Plus that there is a fee to repackage it, or I mean, they're incurring costs to repackage it, et cetera. Yeah, and Amazon doesn't spend that amount of time with it. They basically throw it into a bin and then sell it bulk to other buyers via auction sites and, and third-party sellers. They, they sell it by the pallet to other companies. Um, so, I can see why people who they deem as like abusers of the return policy would finally hit a certain limit, but man, you would have to really stand out. Plus I think Amazon really needs to accept returns because the quality of some of the items that are being purchased are questionable at best until you actually see them and still you actually use them. Um, like that UV printer, right? Bought a UV printer. It was sent to me. Nothing worked at all. Um, and Amazon eventually just said, you know what? Everything that you're saying is making sense, particularly based on, uh, apparently the historical record of it. Um, and they canceled everything associated with that. Um, and that was a heavy lift. So literally. Yep. Uh, I, I like Amazon, but at some point this, I, I'm going to be curious to see what the full extent of this is. So we'll watch it. Let's keep on going. 
Uh, this next article is over in hometown daily sorting out recycling from trash is the perfect example of a job few people want to do that AI is better than humans at. And I think anything that is uh, a system could be what an AI can do. Um, also and, anything that would be featured on the show, dirty jobs might be a good idea for AI. I don't, well, some people really want to do those jobs, you know, what is the, uh, what, what's that called where they do catfish? It's that's catfish. exactly the one I was going to use the example of noodling catfish noodling. Yeah. You, uh, you stick your hands under rocks straight into catfish mouths and just pick them up and then bring them over to shore and you have a catfish pretty nice. I don't know if I would pretty do that. terrifying. And that one actually came to mind because you had used the term noodling. <laughs> yeah. So I was already thinking what? about, and then oh. what is the gooey duck hunting or something like that? Which are these? I don't know that one. They're, I don't know how to describe them. They're, they're basically, yeah, I'd say I look it up. They, they're, what are they like? Um, they have a long tube like apparatus, um, but they're kind of like an oyster kind of a thing. Um, but they have a, like a really big body. They're weird looking. Um, be careful if you look them up at work. Anyway, artificial intelligence and automation are impacting some jobs that humans don't always want to do. Robots are being used to sort through waste at recycling centers to combat worker shortages. In some cases, the bots do the job better than humans, according to the Wall Street Journal. Uh, yeah, well, it says here, many workers are understandably concerned that AI could steal their jobs. But really, do you want to sit there and sort through recycling? I suppose if the money is right, so be it. But automation is making this kind of a job a whole lot easier technology in general, because you use magnets to sort all of the metallic stuff out. Um, glass and aluminum and other elements can be either blown out with air um, or sorted through um, rollers and whatnot to uh, recycle it out or like pull it off into different tracks. Um, but doing it by hand is messy and somewhat dangerous, particularly with glass items. Well, businessinsider.com put this article together. Haley Tenor is the uh, author of it. And uh, they have this Getty image uh, picture of a, a big, I think that it's a, a like a dump truck kind of a thing um, with a whole bunch but of- But that is the most organized looking recycling because number one, it looks like it's a whole bunch of Coca-Cola cans. So it's kind of uniform, but the cans look like they're in excellent condition. <laughs> and the AI is evaluating the consistency of this picture. It's a good marketing picture. That's for sure. Heavy steel sings anything you can do. AI can do better. <laughs> anything you can do. AI <laughs> can do better than you. Oh, my singing voice is not going to work on this. Uh, Heavy Steel, please record that as an MP3 and I will play that in the next show or whenever you get around to it. No pressure. No pressure. Um, 
Yeah, so my only problem with all of this is that I think that society is going to be caught off guard as more and more businesses adopt technology and automation. And there aren't event, there are eventually not enough jobs it's for whatever reason, humans just sit there and say, well, you'll find something else to do, but that's not always the case. What else are you going to do? You Especially know? if all the similar type jobs are taken over by technology. Yeah. You go back to school and you get retooled for something, but automation and technology and AI in particular is, are taking the white collar jobs and applied with machinery, take blue collar jobs. And there's only so many other jobs out there, right? So what are you going to do? Okay. Well, I'm going to tool up and I've had this conversation with a lot of people, just a lot of people. They think that they're going to win the game because they will stand out with a, a skill set that's superior or social skills that make them stand out from the crowd. But I hate to break it to y'all. Everybody has the potential to take that cookie from the table faster than you. All it takes is a little bit of drive and ambition and they're getting it before you. So what are you going to, what are you going to do? Uh, yeah. And I have people sit there and go the way you talk. I don't even know why I should bother trying. I'm just going to, you know, live in a box down by the river. That's not what I'm trying to get across it. You're going to have to stay dynamic. You're going to have to stay a holistic person. And when opportunity arises, be able to take advantage of whatever the situation may be. Um, because if you, and I say become an entrepreneur, become the person that's in charge of your future. Not everybody can run a business because everybody, there has to be, you know, kind of like an 80, 20 Pareto principle kind of a thing. You do something and 80% of the population come to you and purchase. Um, but it's not going to get easy because the people who have the money to switch to automation are doing that. They concentrate their wealth upon themselves and you're not getting a job. And in some cases you work your butt off so that they can save up enough money to replace you. <laughs> That's right. If you're really good, you'll build or install the technology that does replace you. Oh, wow. Look at that. AI is being implemented in recycling facilities to sort out recycling materials. AI and automation are helping assuage worker shortages as some facilities only have 20% of positions filled. One expert told the journal, the bots are also doing the job better at sorting out recyclables than human workers in some cases. And here's what I tell people all the time. They don't need breaks. They don't go on vacation. They can do double work shifts. Um, it goes way beyond that. You know, they don't have any infighting with coworkers. They don't get drunk. You know, they don't have to worry about their car breaking down. AI and technology is basically going to, you know, drink your milkshake. So you're going to have to do something that's more bespoke, more customized, something that is fine motor skill, something that is unique onto humans, uh, ultimately creative in a way that can't be replicated by artificial intelligence. Again, that's going to be tough because it's, we are actually fueling it. 
So trash, uh, trash sorting examples follows advancements in robotics and other fields that require physical tasks. In the food in industry, for example, Chipotle recently implemented a robot called Hyphen that's able to prepare burrito bowls and salads. Everything that's in place, they're not wrapping any of the burrito. So all it takes is just dumping stuff into a bowl. That's true. Probably in set proportions, for example, which probably makes it better than human because the human is probably like, oh, here's a handful of this. Yep. And so it's measured like bars have um, spouts that pour exactly one ounce because people sometimes do a long pour or a, a short one. But if they can measure it out, then boom. They know exactly how many are sold and they know what the volume is on a bottle when they do inventory. Some places do it like that. That's a little bit too hover parent for many, but anyway, a Chick-fil-A location also welcomed a delivery robot named Wally uh, onto its team to wait on customers. Chains like Domino's, McDonald's, White Castle are also using AI to make order taking a more efficient process. Burger King is pushing hard into that area. They're going to replace all of the humans with kiosks. Um, so you're not, the, the counter isn't even going to be powered by humans, except for maybe somebody taking a bag from the back and putting it on the counter. I thought you were going to say Burger King is... Um, kiosk King. Something about their improvement of their current ordering process <laughs> involving the audio and the humans. <laughs> That's so true. Some drive-thrus have really poor audio, so I actually think this could improve things. But yeah, Dairy Queen is probably the epitome of bad. <laughs> they, <laughs> Dairy Queen seems to have a lock on uh, Charlie Brown adult uh, speak. You know, you're like, hey, I want this Blizzard, and they're like, wow, 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 wow. No, 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 no. I'd like cookie dough blizzard you want a large orange drink oh never mind i'm just gonna drive through <laughs> exactly see you next week okay let's keep going did i throw this article in there yes okay this next article is over in the mobile channel america's power grid is at risk at buck uh of buckling this winter according to a regulator I never thought in a million years that I would hear this. I figure that maybe this can happen in like uh, Texas because Texas is its own grid, not connected to anything else. Although now I think they're starting to um, ooze they're into They're looking at connecting. making a change to that, I think. Yeah. So it says much of the U.S. power grid is at an increased risk of failure during major storms or pro prolonged um, cold snaps this winter, a top regulator. Uh, warned on Wednesday, the North American Electric Reliability Corporation, or NERC, you're a NERC, um, said that much of the central and eastern U.S. is at an elevated risk of power failure. The risk affects uh, every region east of the Rocky Mountains, except for the southeast and upstate New York. While the regulator said grids can handle normal winter loads, any prolonged wide area cold snaps will be challenging due to the uh, extra strain that it puts on power rate uh, generators. And here's the big problem with this because of supply related issues, uh, certain devices, transformers in particular, um, are not in large quantities and evenly distributed around the nation. 
So when a generator, not a generator, a transformer goes out, it can cause uh, basically a, a, a knock-on effect of physical damage to generators in various areas. So I can see this being a problem. Um, how big of a problem? I don't know. Uh, but with uh, climate change being an issue, larger swaths being super hot and then super cold, there's a whole winterizing kind of process that organizations take. And so if they really start uh, sucking the juice out of the system, um, I can see this being a, a, a bigger problem. So, yeah. So this article is over at the Hill. Nick Robertson is the author. And uh, let's see if they say anything uh, particularly salient here. More than 60% of the US population was placed under a winter storm advisory uh, for the storm that they're talking about. I think it says last December. Um, with power outages impacting people up and down the East Coast, a report from the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, or FERC, uh, last month found that about 18% of the Hang entire... Hang NERC. Uh, their cousins. Uh, first cousins. And... Uh, 18% of the entire country's electric generation failed during the storm. I like to round up 20%. Um, makes it easier. A similar bomb cyclone struck Texas in 2021, almost completely shutting down the state's energy grid. That's true. Um, and that's largely because they didn't have winterized um, generators. So when that, when that freeze overtook all of uh, Texas, it surpassed anything that they had ever anticipated before more than 4.5 million people went without power some for days actually days might be I, I think it was like uh two weeks or something like that for some regions and the deregulated energy market shot prices up for consumers sparking calls for radical changes yeah and this is deregulation is such a self-serving uh, solution for businesses um power i think needs to be a, a standardized rate all of the grids are interconnected it shouldn't be gross profit taking um, california went through this with enron we learned no lessons apparently and some energy grid systems are still deregulated um, but when people are in power and they have no ethical compass it is the smallest chapter in every single domain they will do something like surge pricing for something that has uh, there's only so much power in, in the system if you can't keep your grid operational i shouldn't have to pay more for your dipshit ways fix your grid generate more power done and done but we don't have bargaining power as consumers what are we gonna do go off grid the moment we pull our house off the grid and start doing solar and wind, you get billed because you're not allowed to pay. You're not allowed to inject your power back into the grid in every uh, state. You actually have to consume power um, or you be completely off it. And well, not everybody allows that. So. You're going to have to move out into more rural areas and, and just kind of detach from everything. And 
yeah, not everybody wants to do that. Anyway, while much of the central and eastern U.S. is projected to get colder, snowier winter, especially around the mid-Atlantic, parts of New England and the Great Lakes are forecast for less snow. It's all shifting around. Climate change is real. So One benefit, though, of going off the grid is you can have one of those YouTube, or not YouTube, but just in general, like you can show your lifestyle. There's a lot of that out there. Yep, there you go. <laughs> do uh, TikTok and uh, YouTube and yeah, just show that you're living the, the rural lifestyle. I don't think I have enough of that kind of charisma because I would probably just be on my porch 99% of the time just <laughs> hanging out, talking with people. Hey, how you doing? Anyway, I hope that this doesn't take place. Um, power outages are really bad. Well, and especially if um, it happens during winter storms. I mean, it's, it can be just as deadly in the summer, but, you know, at some point it becomes really dangerous to people. Hey, Choppa. Welcome to the show. We are doing well here. <laughs> Ziza, shaking your fist at the neighborhood kids. Yes, yes. Get off my lawn. Why are you way out here in rural America? Get off my lawn. You had to drive five miles to get to me. But if I was streaming, that's exactly what would happen, right? <laughs> They're like, hey, I'm going to go see the person. And they can triangulate based on where the sun is rolling over you. I mean, some of these people are like brilliant. I, I hope that they spend all of that time for good because criminal masterminds are out there. They just got to make sure that they have the right mentor otherwise super villain is right there yes and yell get off my lawn choppa and i are i see you let's keep going uh the next article is over in hometown daily insta instacart uh, says most of its retailers charge more through its app than in stores confirming what gig workers and shoppers have suspected for years and this is a, a a real flip because it used to be if you buy something online it was cheaper but not anymore because everything is switching over to um going through the apps instead of buying in store so they're charging you one way or another they're going to be charging you so just uh, 425 of the 1400 retailers that sell through instant cart charge the same prices in store and on the app instant cart uh, CEO Fiji Simo said on Wednesday with the company encourages retailers to stick to in-store prices. Some uh, customers don't realize that the markups even exist in instant Instacart. God, uh, shoppers have told Insider. Um, so it says Do just you think under. They're charging more because people aren't coming into the store, which means they're not buying as much. Um, cause there's a lot of like impulse buying when you go into a store, of course. I'm not sure why, because if you have an actual store and you charge less then the margin is going to be different, but your carbon footprint is different as a store. If you don't have the store, then you don't have to recover X dollars per square foot. If it's just a warehouse, should make you know? your price go down, right? Correct. Um, 
But if you have the store with all the lights on and all of the coolers being opened and closed, all of this carbon footprint, your price is still, you have a sunk cost that has to be recovered. And if people aren't coming into the store and buying entire carts, they're buying just online. You have to charge where the, okay. So some people have a different philosophy about charging uh, a rate. Okay. So sometimes you charge, some people charge based on, um, just tacking on 25% above your cost of goods. Others say, I know what the benefit I'm estimating what my products benefit is to you. And so I'm going to jack the price up even higher. You know, that's kind of like, a, a Apple does it that way, right? The phone only costs $400 to make, but I'm going to charge $1,600 because I know that to you, it's worth 1600 bucks. It's what the market demands. And that's actually what happens with like graphics cards. The retail market is only $500 for a graphics card, but then scalpers, scalper, scalpers will buy it in mass and jack the price up and they'll make the profit. So like Nvidia just cut out the middleman and sells their cards for 1200 bucks and still depending on the demand, right? So instant cart is a means for a company to sell through their app, but instant cart or Instacart takes a piece of the action. So instead of losing that margin from in-store purchases, they jack the price up. So I'm willing to bet that's what this entire article talks about. So Alex Bitter over at business insider puts the article together. Um, heavy steel says, the markup is for a variety of reasons. Z says, that's a big reason I use grocery delivery, no impulse buying. Yeah, you basically schedule it out. You plan the dive and dive the plan. Let's, uh, let me throw this article into the chat. Heavy Steel, did you, uh, did you read ahead in this article and you know that it's a variety of reasons? says here, some customers don't realize the markups even happen. Instacart shoppers have told Insider. Yeah, I mean, unless you go into the store and price compare, you don't know that it's actually getting raised up. True, but if you've been in the store, you should have a rough idea of what the price is. Maybe not that particular moment, but you can usually see the price difference if you've shopped before. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not the kind of person that sits there and obsesses about that particular price. Um, unless it's grossly out of line with, you know, uh, some past experience, but if it raises up, you know, 50 cents for something, I don't think that it would even land on my radar. Um, let's see if they actually talk about this more. One customer in Southern California complained on TikTok in July that they realized that instant I keep saying instant because instant pot, um, Instacart charged her over $500 for items that cost $435 at a Ralph's grocery store. And the difference did not include fees that Instacart charges or a tip for the shopper. Heavy steel says that they've worked in a retail food service their whole life, front end management, it, mostly they can market for just 
uh, for the sake of convenience and less heads in the store does mean less product sold. Yeah. Yeah. That, that convenience fee is, you know, one of the biggest impactors on the price, because if you're not going to come in, it's weird though, because that's landed the variable pricing has landed Amazon in the hot seat. They've actually landed in court because they had fluctuating prices depending on who you were. Um, and they did away with that. And I can't remember what they call it, but it was, it was disparate pricing depending on who you were, you saw different prices. Um, and that caused a problem, but raising the price, if the, the prices for the, uh, Instacart channel is that much higher and it's not even due to the additional burden of the fees related to Instacart or the tip for the shopper, I'm really astonished anybody is using Instacart, you know? I mean, it's the same thing with other delivery services. Like if you try, and we've talked about it before, but like a service like DoorDash, you know, if you're trying to buy a $10 meal or whatever, and it comes out to $25 because yeah. of all the fees and tip and all that, like at some point, do you really want to do it? Yeah. So heavy um, continues it's not even a fee. They just mark it up a percentage to meet payroll and utility costs. And it's not about money spent. It's also about units moved out of the store. Yeah. Um, this is interesting though, because the, if it was just something related to Instacart, I can see why people would be complaining about Instacart but it's the store raising the prices and then there are fees associated with Instacart. Um, so it's the actual store that's raising these prices. Um, yeah, I, I would sit there and I guess I have to go in. This would really bother me. But as Instacart, I would be really pissed as the CEO of Instacart. I would be miffed, you know, because you're the impression is that it's higher on Instacart, but it's not higher on Instacart because of Instacart's processes. It's higher because these people are going, Oh, I can see how everybody's purchasing. Let's jack up the price. It's, it, it seems like it would land somebody in hot water, but it, it, it appears to be systemic. Yeah. Heavy says what I just said. Um, Yes, they are trying to incentivize more shoppers to come in. It it would all to me it would seem like you would want the most efficient way to get product out of your store to be the cheapest way to purchase it. Or I should say the, the most beneficial way. Um because you move more product you're making more sales. The margin is going to be the, you know, it's, it's going to average out somewhere. The heavier lift is the big carbon footprint. So yeah. And it turns out that's not Instacart. Yeah. It's interesting. I wonder if that's what 
because this is a Ralph's grocery store, but what about others? Are they saying, are all of these other ones saying that Instacart is just more friction, more pain and suffering? Um, and that's why they're raising the prices because it doesn't really say that, right? It just says the customer, meanwhile, receives an emailed receipt where the prices of items might be higher than on the paper receipt. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, where is the problem occurring? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I would probably go back into the store and go, what? <laughs> Seems like false advertising. Um, but I, if the prices in the Instacart um, are the ones that they are purchasing off of, yeah, right. why isn't the receipt? That has to be a an accounting no, no, nightmare. No, no. I think the receipt is from if you go into the store. Right. So I don't know that it's that the Instacart prices are displayed incorrectly because that would be a different issue. Right. Like that's kind of a fraudulent issue or a bait and switch. Well, see, that's what they're saying. Gig workers have long noticed the difference in pricing. When a shopper checks out with an order, they usually have a, a receive a paper receipt with the in-store prices. The customer, meanwhile, receives an emailed receipt where the prices of the items might be higher than on the paper receipt that the gig worker is actually hands on with. I see. OK, I didn't realize that. Yeah, so the person that's using Instacart has one receipt that is significantly different than what the gig worker is paying. But the gig worker isn't getting that margin. They're getting their tip and whatever their rate is, whatever Instacart's rate is. So where kind are those dollars going? Yeah, that's why I was starting to say... This is like an accounting nightmare because the till is going to be different from the Instacart till. When they do the reconciliation, the in-store accounting is going to be off by whatever the factor is that Instacart is charging. But it isn't Instacart that's charging it. So you have two different receipts for the same transaction. <laughs> this would be a nightmare, a complete cluster for me. I would hate this business model. I would not want to use divergent pricing it needs to be at parity yeah so if it, there you go so heavy steel says um the whole grocery store as a business will have to change they're all designed to have customers inside to be their most efficient and then in response to me saying that the the prices are divergent um heavy steel says uh, not if the instacart menu is considered to have its own inventory so somewhere in the accounting <laughs> you just added another layer of confusion because the inventory system is going to have one value depending on if it's instacart assigned versus what's in store <laughs> yeah this is going to be <laughs> so technically heavy this the the point of sale software um, like you say here, point of sale software covers all of this. Instacart menu can uh, be its inventory and the store unto itself. So, but they're going into a store and they're pulling the inventory off of the shelves and then purchasing at the point of sale. So there's at some point the Instacart inventory could hit zero while the in-store still has an inventory running. Um, 
just so people can actually come into the store. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Oh, and Heavy Steel says yes. Yeah. It just seems like way too much friction for a store to want to babysit. You know, just it's right. Just too I much. think they'd want to do one or the other only. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of mar money if there's a margin somewhere that they can grab onto. That's it. It's like me and my paycheck. I can hold on to a little more. Heavy Steel says they hate it. Just have people come in, but customers demand Instacart. If it's frictionless, then I'm game. But like going in is just sometimes too much of a pain. Yeah, Heavy Steel says like demand it with capital demand. But I'm in Z's camp. I like grocery delivery. Um, but I suffer from the problem that it, it's, you don't know the quality and by the time you get it, you're already pot committed. So, um, let's keep going. The, uh, next article is over in the continuity report. Disney looking to license content to Netflix, except for their big three brands. This is what I was talking about earlier. Uh, there's only so many people that are producing so many organizations that are producing. And so now licensing is going to be going over to Netflix from Disney for certain shows, but then it's a time frame, and everybody has to banter about trying to get the right price because Disney will say that they're over there. I've done this in the real world. Like I've, I've pitted three suppliers directly against each other, um, to maximize my profit. It wasn't my money. Um, but it was on behalf of another organization and uh when money is tight you have to maximize benefit for an organization and so i basically had a <laughs> a big three fight um going on so i can see how that can work out but when you're a consumer <laughs> you don't want to have to worry about not having you know, all seasons of a show that you're trying to consume because you sit there and binge it. And then the last two seasons you can't watch because the license term has ended. Or worse, season three is missing and then you can't oh, proceed man. to the rest of the seasons. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah, there were, uh, we were watching a show binging basically to catch up for what, 10 years worth of seasons and it, we had to bounce across three different providers of the show um because it was a like a british show um, yeah i think i know which one that was yeah and jump through flaming hoops to, to and now i i don't know where we are i think we're back at the original so technically four because you went in a big circle an, another aurora bus aurora boris whatever it is Anyway, Disney is in the process of pursuing a new relationship with Netflix. Aww, they're dating. Yeah, but wait a second. Then they're going to be connected to Hulu, Netflix, and ESPN. Yeah, sure. Just the shows. It says many uh, Disney titles have been licensed to the online streaming service over the years, but their licensing agreements began to dry up when Disney developed their own proprietary streaming service, Disney+. Plus. The Disney Plus service offers subscribers access to many of the titles from the Disney Library, as well as other libraries they own, including all of 20th Century Studios, National Geographic, on top of original shows, 
and movies such as Marvel Cinematic Universe, WandaVision, Hocus Pocus 2, and more, much, much more. So let's go over to Le Source. Uh, Brennan Klein is the author. Uh, the deck statement says Disney is looking into licensing more of their shows and movies to the Netflix streaming service, but certain important brands will remain exclusive. Um, let's see. According to Iger, the licensing of Disney titles to Netflix would not compromise the competitive advantage and differentiation provided by the Disney Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars properties on Disney+. Plus. Um, yeah, the major brands to be crucial building blocks for their own streaming platform, Disney+. Plus. So they're not going to step on their own uh, toes. There really isn't much more to this article to, to talk about. I mean, there's always minutiae in here, but um, I think that this... I just sorry. thought this headline was kind of funny. Disney Plus has been changing a lot in 2023? Or yeah, the one I don't know why. It just seemed kind of like, okay. <laughs> well, I guess the at 926... News for, yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I think... Disney Plus, to me, it's anecdotal. When I talk to people about Disney Plus, all they say is MCU. It's nothing. It's basically the the Marvel Channel. You might as well just call it the Marvel Channel. Um, and there might be niche things, you know, like kids are watching certain things, but when you when adults are talking about it, it's just nothing but Marvel. Um, and I I think that's pretty pretty obvious when you talk to anybody from you know maybe 12 years old and up it's all marvel um so i don't know they're going to be kicking stuff off to other places but who knows what the price is going to be um and if that's going to transition into people having to pay more because disney's going to demand a, a premium price for the content that is housed within disney uh, plus itself they don't have to release it but you know it says strangely the limitations of this new deal likely mean that disney will not be licensing some shows that were originally developed for the rival streaming platform the netflix marvel tv shows which include daredevil and jessica jones are part of the deal uh, sorry are part of one of the brands the company is still trying to protect in fact disney plus is developing a new daredevil show uh, featuring the return of Charlie Cox in the title role, meaning uh, they will almost certainly see licensing the original show as a liability. Yeah. Okay, but that's really odd, given that it was originally developed for Netflix. Yeah. And again, it goes back to what I've been saying. The licensing changes and it's all in flux. And then eventually the consumer has to go and spend another. It's not cheap. It's like $15 a month. Um to, to get Disney Plus. I can't remember the ad-free rate anyway. It's been a while. So, um, oh, what's interesting about this is that Screen Rant has like a, uh, like if you have an ad blocker on, they they get upset. Um, but the this material is from Variety. So I thought it was really interesting because um, I don't actually have an ad blocker on my browser. Um, but they still pop me from time to time. It's kind of, there's the ad, see? <laughs> At any rate, uh, we all share information, so 
let's let's not do that kind of stuff folks just put your ads there those who are willing to look at your ads will look at your ads sorry i'm soapboxing a little bit let's keep on going though one last come on one last article this last article and my favorite for the night is in hometown daily watch the big reveal of the 699 dollars ai phone from a husband and wife who worked at apple it's powered by gpt4 and projects info onto your hand and calling this a 699 dollars ai phone does not do it justice this is humane's ai pin it's an artificial intelligent um, communicator very much like star trek um, it says ai startup humane officially launched its uh, highly anticipated ai pin on thursday it's actually going to be available on the 16th of this month so next next weekend um, it starts at $699. It has a monthly subscription that's required. I really want this, um, but we'll see if I, in a week, if I can talk myself into or out of it, depending on where I am. That happens quite a bit. You know, I have a conversation with myself for a month before I buy something and I, I okay, I'll do it. And, and then, oh no, I'm not going to do it. Um, but wait until you see this thing. It's gonna, if we've talked about it a couple of times here in hometown, um, because this is actually what I've always wanted. I've wanted, uh, a, a communicator. Uh, yes. I want a communicator, uh, um, that allows me to do everything, including like translate from one language to another, like a universal communicator, universal translator. Uh, but I also want to receive phone calls and get text messages and interact with something without me having to go to a computer or, you know, talk on my phone. I can just tap this thing and off we go. So here's How what about this is. translation? Will that be included? I don't know about that. That might be pushing it a little. <clears throat> but I agree. We need something to start talking to our animals. Anyway, Aaron Mock over at Business Insider put this article together and uh, here, here, <laughs> I don't know why they did it like this fashion week thing. Anyway, that's it right there. Thank you for the giant red arrows pointing to the pin. Um, Z says neat. Yeah, I, I'm actually going to grab the URL. No, eh, I'll just... I'll throw the URL into the chat. How about that? Let's do that. Um, because there's actually uh, quite quite a little bit here that you can scroll through. Right there is the URL. The article, though. Oh, let me throw the article into the chat, too. Dun, dun, dun. Um, there you go. So this thing is just brilliant. Um, Although I think because it's the first iteration of this, it's going to evolve pretty quickly if people buy into it. Um, Humane's hotly anticipated AI pin is finally here, or at least what we know how it works, much uh, how much it costs, less than an iPhone 
but with a monthly fee. Well, so does an iPhone. It has a monthly fee. And when, and when you can pre-order it next week, but you'll apparently have to wait until next year to actually get your hands on it. So, um, it's $6.99. It's all by itself. It's screenless, but sort of not. It has a touch, touch sensitive area and a projector. And so you put your hand out and it shoots the message onto your hand. So you can interact and it can be silent or it can communicate with you through in, uh, in your monitors. Um, or uh, you can talk with it. <laughs> and because it's G GPT-4, um, it translates even what you want to say. You can tell it to send a text to somebody and it will cater to the voice that you want. So if you say, Hey, I want you to really be, I want you to construct a text and send it to my sentient AI and gush about how great they are as the overseer, the great watcher of hometown, it will construct an entire essay. And then I can say, ah, oh, you know what, make it a little bit more professional and it'll tighten it up, you know, and I'll say, no, add a little humor to it and it'll punch it up into something humorous. You can interact with it. And I think that it is spectacular. I want this so bad. It says it comes in three colors, Eclipse, Lunar, and Equinox. The AI pin package includes a charge pad, a cable, an adapter, a charge case, an extra battery booster, unlimited calls text and data for a dedicated cell number via humane. Um, this picture is huge. Look at that. Okay. Let's see if they've got another one. Uh, no, they don't. So let me scroll this back to, there you go. Um, so on the stream, you can see it, but, uh, it's not easy to see. I don't know why the picture is so huge on uh, Business Insider, but it basically projects it onto the palm of your hand, whatever might be there. So it could be a phone number. It could be a text. It could be some data, uh, but it'll throw it into your hand. So absolutely really crazy. I mean, just the idea of this is spectacular. It's so Star Trek that I instantly fell in love with the idea of this thing. So the pin can also answer your voice questions by scraping the web in real time to demonstrate the feature. Chowdhury um, asked the pin, when is the next eclipse and where is the best place to see it? And in a matter of seconds, the AI pin responded with a total, uh, the next total solar eclipse will occur on April 8th, 2024 and recommended him uh, to see it in Australia or East Timor. So that's always great. Um, well, they could probably do that, but. Anyway, it's going to have a dedicated phone number like all cellular enabled devices will have. Um, you may not actually be able to utilize it to the full extent of uh, a true cell phone service. For instance, um, Apple watches have a, a segment of cellular service, um, but it's not the full boat price or feature set. So um, it only costs a certain amount. Um, but this is $24 a month on top of the cost of the device. Uh, but at 24 bucks an instant communication with the world's knowledge and a sentient, not a sentient, damn it. It 
the only sentient AI that exists is the one that's in hometown. So the, uh, the, uh, GPT four AI again at your fingertips instantly. Cause all you have to do is tap this thing twice with your fingers. It's actually two fingers. You just go tap and it activates. You tell it what you're looking for and it will communicate back. Um, but most importantly, the feeling that you're in Star Trek. Yes. And look at that. He even showed the AI pin translating Imran's voice messages from English to Spanish. It's a universal communicator. I guess the New York mayor could have used that. Oh, too soon. Not really. So you'll be able to pre-order the pin November 16th. Um, but it says it's not expected to start shipping until next year. So if anybody wants to buy Marowat a Christmas present, the AI pin is where it's at. No. Oh, I know it is. <laughs> when I first saw this, not today, like this screams Mayor Watt. <laughs> oh boy. So there we go, folks. Um, this is, yeah. I just told Santa. Z says I'll tell Santa. <laughs> the internet Santa. Uh, so yeah, I, I'll, I'll get the black one right there. That's the one that I'm looking for. It does seem kind of chonky though. I think version two is probably going to be much smaller. <clears throat> um, but I have the exact same physique. So uh, doesn't this seem like it's really low though? It needs to be up here. I don't know. It's a stylistic thing for me, I suppose. Anyway, seems kind of odd if you're supposed to be speaking into it. Well, cause it hears everything when this thing isn't actively in, in use around me, it's going to be sitting in a Faraday bag. I do not want this thing. Picking Working. up everything in your location. Yeah, it's creepy. It, it really is. Uh, I'm not that obsessive about anything else, but this thing is AI and it's, I feel like it's just going to always, always watching, you know? Anyway, I still love the idea. 700 bucks though. Oof. It's a, it's a big lift for a gadget that how much utility am I going to find in this? You know, because all the interactions it's more the are public. novelty. Yeah. All of the interactions are going to be public. You know, you're going to have to sit there and tell the AI. Hey, I need to uh, pick up a inhaler or something. I don't know. And the whole world is going to hear you sit there talking with your AI. It's going to be, you're going to be that person that talks into the butt end of That's your phone. That's exactly it. It's going to be worse than that. Oh, no. Yeah. All right. Now I'm talking myself out of it really fast. Okay, that's it, folks. That is Omtown Daily for November 9th. Wow, time is flying by. So back into the party bus. Just drive all the way back down, down, street, down uh, Main Street and press the logo and we get a whole bunch of new news. Hmm. Kevin Bacon. 
posts a video recreating Footloose dance to celebrate the end of the actor strike. <laughs> Talk that about might getting, be entertaining. <laughs> get in the way back machine. Timothy Chalamet can't stop saying Wonka in SNL promo. Yeah, there's a really fun because uh, he's in Dune. Um, and there's one, there's the, the scene where, uh, one of the Muppets is, uh, has his Elmo. hand, Elmo, yeah, has his hand in the, uh, pain amplifier with the gom jabar at its, at his neck or its neck. I don't, anyway, it's really funny. Go look it up in, on YouTube. Let's see what else, anything else? 10% on Google. What? Google offered Netflix a sweetheart deal to pay just 10% on Google Play. That sounds weird. Hmm. Yeah. All right. I wish that Apple would have released an iPad mini with like an M1 or M2, but instead they jumped everything to the uh, M3. That's kind of a bummer. I want the power of the M1. Um, in that small form factor. Okay, well, that's it. Bunch of other stuff. Um, yeah, that that's all there is to it. There's okay. a lot of financial news on the main page today for some reason. Um, yeah, I don't know why November would... Guess we're coming up end of year stuff. I don't know, or it's just the timing for this particular aggregation. So that's it, folks. Thank you very much for coming and hanging out. You could be anywhere. You decided to be with us, and I want to thank you. I am Merwat. That is hometown.com. I feel like I need to dance. Up there is the sentient AI's visualizer. You want to say good night to all of the fine citizens of hometown good night hometown citizens we will see you tomorrow at 8 p.m eastern yes <laughs> tomorrow's friday so still 8 p.m uh, but then uh, saturday and sunday we do six keep that in mind come and hang out stay awesome thanks for hanging out z and heavy really do appreciate you i don't know where choppa ended up there's a few others that are lurking, but thank you very much, all of you. See you, hopefully, tomorrow and maybe later tonight. Take care. Bye-bye. This music has been keeping me bouncing. Choppa came back to bat cleanup, been lurking. Well, you're awesome. Thank you very much. Now I do have to go. Take care, y'all. Bye-bye.